The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, number 92 for February 19th, 2007. All right, so John, if every show that we normally do is on like a zero degree track... I'd say this one, we're, we're running about 35 degrees off center. Does that sound about right to you? I quit. <laughs> I'm Dave Hamilton, uh, and you're not. Uh, the other guy here this is... This is John. That's John. John Braun. The, the, the world-famous John Braun. Let's hear it for him. Let's have a hand, no. ladies and gentlemen. Everybody stay, take a moment and applaud. Stop. Why? Okay, so we are not on Skype tonight because Skype made John sound like he was in the middle of a water pipe. It it, it was it, it was kind of cool for a minute. Yeah, but not for forty. Um, we it, blame. It, it, we do. We I have to blame Skype. I shouldn't have upgraded. No, I don't think I don't think it was the upgrade. I think it's it was just Skype tonight. Sometimes there's weird things. So we're on Gizmo Project, which has slightly less audio quality, but but it doesn't make John sound like he's in the middle of a, a tinkling rainstorm. So that's good. Um, we're also not going to do any audio comments tonight, but that has nothing to do with technology. That's just a decision we made because, uh, we had so much email come in over the last couple of weeks that we figured we would take a moment and just address it. And then of course we ran out of peppermint tea at, uh, at the Hamilton homestead here. So I am drinking, uh, blueberry tea this evening while we do the show and I Mm. ate some chocolate. So that's that all kind of factors into that whole 35, maybe 36 and a half degree off kilter thing that we've got going on. <clears throat> and we will start with uh, with Corey's question. And I'm going to let you answer it, John. So Corey writes, as a new Mac user, less than a year, the biggest bother I've found is with the finder. I really like the column view, but I find it slightly annoying that I have to resize the columns every time I open the finder. How can the columns be set to remember the settings being the widths that they were set to previously? Thanks. Got a thought for him, John? <laughs> you were expecting me to research these or something? Yeah, all right. Uh, I Actually, think... in this case, I would say probably the best move would be to option drag the uh, resize tab on the uh, column view. Oh. I think that helps it take hold. I did a little poking around online. I found something at Mac OS X Hints, um, which led to that. The, the general gripe, though, is that it doesn't, act the way people would like, as has been Corey pointed out. Right. Um, that's the only thing I've found where you have a semblance of it retaining the settings, but it still seems to be something that's not quite repaired. I tried this, option drag. It does work. Know, at the bottom tab. Yeah. And it works, though I, I didn't see how long it would persist. Like, I don't know if it would persist through a reboot. So I, I Actually, I, I believe it does persist through a reboot. Oh, if excellent. I'm, okay. if I'm not uh, mistaken. So that's... So, yeah, so here's another thing about that. If you, uh, let's say you click on the, uh, you know, on the Finder icon, right? Because that's one way to open a new Finder window. If you click on the Finder icon in the dock, a new window pops up. Now, let's say you want that window to be a little larger than it than it is, and you want it to be located somewhere else. Click on the Finder icon, let the window pop up, make your changes to where and 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 what size you want that window to be, and then close it. That will, as long as you don't navigate anywhere and make any changes to the contents of the window, uh, it will save that. You, you can also change whether you want column view, list view, or icon view. Uh, again, just don't navigate anywhere. And then, and then close the window, and then that will save it, and that will persist through a reboot uh, and all of that good stuff. So that is our, uh, 
That's our tip of the week for for Corey, anyway. <laughs> We've got tips of the week for many of you, though. Uh, and Homer is next on the list, if I am not mistaken. And Homer yes. has an interesting uh, interesting little setup here that we'll, we'll kind of talk about. So, hi, John and Dave. I have a great network setup at home, which I use for storage only. I am trying to connect A, with my airport router, which is hooked up to DSL, and B, to connect to my network drives via RJ45 or Ethernet. Both situations from my Mac Mini, which has an airport adapter and an Ethernet adapter in it. However, as you may have observed, when you choose a location in OS X, you can't really have both active at the same time. Is there a way to have both my connections in harmony so they would work? As we talked about last week, you can have two things active. Um, And... The trick is, they I guess they can't both be on the same subnet and actually work. Although, you know what? Why couldn't they? They could be on the same subnet, just different Here's, IPs. I think I was missing something in the description because it wasn't clear to me why. All right, so the DSL is connected to the airport. Right. So and the, the, the network drives are also wired. So I'm what I'm missing is why the network drives aren't connected somehow to the uh, to the airport. You oh, see what I'm a, saying? Yeah, I, I, I'm guessing he's got some sort of router. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could do this two ways. That's a good point, because you could just make one network out of the whole thing and connect those to airport, unless the airport router is not physically close enough to where the network drives are mm. to, to plug it in, right? So there's a couple of options there. One is to use uh, something like the, the WET11 or WET54 from Linksys uh, that allows ethernet devices to be a client on an airport network or any any wireless network you just plug your ethernet device in and then bam it it makes it um wireless capable so that would be one option and then the other would be to create two separate subnets right have a let's say 192.168.1.x for your airport network and 192.168.2.x for your ethernet network and prioritize them, and I would, like we talked about last week, priorities in the network control panel, network system still in that mode, network system preference <laughs> pane, are, are dependent on what order you, you have the, uh, the, the interfaces listed. And honestly, here, I don't know that it would matter. One of them's going to have a gateway, that the one for your airport router uh, is going to have a gateway, and the other one's not. So... Even if the airport was second in the list, um, which I probably would do because that way there's less of a chance of the network drive just falling off your computer, and that's a bad, bad thing. Um, but if, uh, if, if, even if the Ethernet's first, if it doesn't have a, a gateway listed in the, uh, in the TCP IP profile, it, no outbound traffic like to Google or, or Mac, MacObserver.com or anything like that is going to try and go through that because it has nowhere to go. Right? Does that make sense, John? It makes sense. I'd still have to try it, though. Yeah, it, it is an interesting situation. Um, it, this reminds me of something. I was talking to Dave Slusher uh, a week or two ago. He is, of course, the uh, host of Evil Genius Chronicles podcast at evilgeniuschronicles.org. And uh, and he mentioned something to me that uh, he learned a very valuable lesson that I will I will pass along here. And that was he had a FireWire drive connected to one Mac, and then he connected his uh, laptop via the network to that FireWire drive. He had it shared across mm-hmm. the network. So he had it connected there and was doing stuff, no problem. And then uh, disconnected the FireWire drive from 
he wanted to do something faster. He wanted to copy something to from the FireWire drive and didn't want to have to do it over the airport connection because it was slow. Mm-hmm. And so he plugged the drive. He just unplugged it from, you know, his the computer it was in and plugged it directly into the laptop. What he failed to do was eject it from the laptop first. And 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 I believe he wound up totally wiping the drive out. Uh, Disk Warrior, of course, uh, I believe was able to save everything. Um, but, uh, but, you know, don't do that. So there's a there's a valuable lesson in it for all. Yeah, of us. and I've seen that with USB drives too, and especially the uh, yep. flash drives. Yep, that's oh yeah, good point. Good point. You know, which is annoying because you would think if the computer knows enough to say this is a stupid thing to do, why can't it do something about it? Yeah, well, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I do know what you're saying. It, I I guess it's because the drive is named the same. It, it's it's mapping it to the same you know slash volume slash whatever and uh yeah it's a weird thing it doesn't i guess it's it, i guess it's one of those you know apple we always say apple's so good at looking six months down the road at what you're going to do with your machine and and coding for it apparently this is one of those things they never expected we would do so yeah yeah not always but uh now there are things like uh, peripheral vision is something i like i don't know if you use that but actually no i don't think it works on the uh Intel machines yet. Okay. But it's a utility that will, if you mount or dismount any, you know, drive or network resource, it'll it'll show it to you, which I think is uh, uh. helpful for some of these questions, like the one I think we're going to talk about very shortly. Yeah. Okay. So Simon writes in. And I tried this one, so I don't right. mind speaking to this Okay. One. I want to connect a Windows PC to the internet via Ethernet on my MacBook Pro through the airport connection. So I have a PC connected to my MacBook Pro via Ethernet, and my MacBook Pro is connected to the Internet via airport. I can't get it to work. I have a Belkin 54G wireless unit connected to my cable model. Help! Help, John. That's your, that's your cue. So, um, as, as in the, uh, the show notes, we were kind of you know, tossing this around. Uh, the first thing to do is, yes, sharing will work. So if you go in the, uh, not the control panel, but the system preference, Hey, I heard that. Sharing. <laughs> and then there's going to be a tab all the way over to the right, Internet sharing. So the first thing you have to do, well, one thing is you need a cable between the two. So the question was, with the Mac that has the um, wireless connection already through Ethernet, can I do this? And the answer is yes. So, so, as a, so the first thing to do is make sure the Ethernet port is active on the Windows machine. Um, and okay. you can usually do that through network places. Uh, view network connections and just look at the adapter, which is I actually did this. So make sure the the wired Ethernet adapter is on. Got you it. Know, just first step, so you won't have any head scratching. The second would be um, in your internet connection. What you want to do? I'm sorry. Uh, you probably want to go over to your network system preference and make sure that go to network port configuration and turn on, in addition to airport, which should already be on, in my case it was, turn on built-in Ethernet. That's the key. So make sure you turn on built-in Ethernet on the Mac side. And okay. Once you do right. that, of course, then it will be available in the in the sharing area. Got so it. So if you go to sharing and then Internet, you will say share your connection from airport and then to computers using Ethernet. Once you enable that, now the interesting thing is that it works pretty much as expected, but the only weird thing that happened, and I have a screen snap of this, is that if you do that, it'll have a little caution icon in that panel. Once you click on built-in Ethernet, saying other settings may conflict with Internet sharing, and it's like, huh? So I click on that, it has more info, and it said, oh, by the way, if you want to share a web browser connection, 
you have to go to services and turn on personal web sharing. Isn't that weird? Really? But it happened. Okay. But once I because I tried, so as soon as I saw through both machines, both on the Mac using peripheral vision, which is why I mentioned that, it Got showed, it. oh, Ethernet port is active, and then I activated the port on the Windows machine, and the same thing, it would show it saying it was connected instead of, you know, disabled. Um, it was like, huh, I can't get to any websites, why not? And then I noticed this caution dialogue, you know, it has a little caution, three-sided caution, yellow, you know, with an exclamation point, and that was why. So... That's some weirdness with how Apple is doing the internet sharing, but once you get around that, it works as expected. Huh. Is that you hook your Windows machine, turn on TCP IP, it gets a, a NAT kind of address, yeah. which was different from the subnet that I have allocated to my wireless. So which it's is good. It should be. Smart. Yeah, that's um, right. I have another thing called Little Snitch, and actually it was showing about three different, I think it was like NameD and a couple of other Unix daemons who were, who were trying you know, to, to do, I guess, this, uh, set up this whole connection. Yeah. Uh, so it was kind of neat to see that. But underneath it all, yeah, once once uh, everything was in place, the Windows machine connected by Ethernet, just set up to do DHCP or automatic address, was surfing through the other machine uh, through the wireless connection on the Mac. So that was very cool. That's great. Yeah, that's kind of backwards from what you would normally expect to do, right? I mean, normally mm. you would wire your Mac into the cable modem and share the connection via airport, but... You know, there there mm -hmm. are instances where uh, where it makes sense to do that. I'm actually reminded of a time I was in a hotel room, and the hotel had wireless. Mm -hmm. But I always travel with my airport base station. And at this particular hotel, I may have told this story before, at this particular hotel, the wireless was kind of crummy, and the only place I could get a decent wireless connection was in the bathroom at the very front of the hotel room. So mm -hmm. what I did was I grabbed my airport uh, base station. This was the... the, the uh, dome, uh, you know, Snow White Airport, uh, ba extreme base station, and it had WDS in it. And what WDS is, is it allows you to take an airport signal and repeat it. So I, I put the airport base station in the front of the, you know, like up in the bathroom, I teetered it up on top of a light because it seemed like the higher up I got, the better off it was. And I had it actually broadcast the connection back to my uh, Mac so I could sit at the desk in the room and, and, uh, and get it. But, uh, all kinds of interesting things that can happen. And in a situation like that, you could, if you had two computers, you could do exactly this. You know, you could wire, run a cable from the, uh, in the bathroom in this case, back to the desk or whatever. So, yeah. So Very that's cool. a nice, nice feature. Very cool. You can share because it's good when you share. It is good when you share. Assuming uh, you're not trying to circumvent some security or policies. But well, that's true. Of course, nobody who listens to the show would do that. And if they did, they wouldn't get caught. Um, <laughs> they'd at least know that lesson. Lesson. I really believe that's the best piece of advice we give every week, but, but the, don't get me started. I will get started on our sponsor for this week. That is TeachMac at TeachMac.com. The new version of uh, out here, of course, in 2007 has some new features. TeachMac, of course, is an interactive learning environment where you can download modules and go through and learn different tasks all sorts of different stuff. Now with TeachMac 07, you can see the topic list of any given module before you take the time to download it, which is great. So you can kind of see what you're going to what you're getting into and that's especially good if you download the free version and then you're buying the modules for, you know, 5 to 15 bucks a piece. It has all new search capabilities. You can edit your custom modules and actually even assign a password to them. 
and all video is actually displayed at native resolution now, even HD. So if you're uh, if you're perhaps using a module to teach a class and you're really blowing it up big, it's going to look good. So that's TeachMac at TeachMac.com. You can download the free version and then pay a la carte for modules, or you can sign up for a $49 a year subscription and download as much as you want from TeachMac.com. And that moves us along to Jeff's question about moving podcast feeds. Dave and John. I've been hosting a website for my wife's podcast on .Mac, but not the actual audio files. I am now moving the site, but I'm trying to figure out if there's a way to get the RSS feed moved, cancel .Mac, and not lose any subscribers. Thanks, and love the Geek Gab. Uh, the, the, the unfortunate answer there is probably not. Uh, the feed is most likely at a you know .Mac.com URL, and of course, once you cancel your account, all of that goes away. Um, yeah. That's There's good news, though. What is the what is the good news? Well, I think the good news is that the the uh, the RSS file really doesn't have to change that much, and that it's well, no, pointing the, to the location has audio to change. files. Right. I guess what I'm trying to say is that the file itself, what it points to, which is the audio. He, right. He, um, Jeff said it was hosted somewhere else. The good news is that all he has to do is somehow convince people to find the new feed file that's the problem your, your domain is going to change now th there's a couple of a couple of issues with that one the big very big one is all your existing subscribers right they will have to be told somehow uh that they need to go and resubscribe right to this and you can do to that to a new to a new a new feed that's right i pretty much the same feed file a little different but. right i highly recommend doing that at your own domain make the 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 leap now go to you know godaddy.com i think the uh the gab3 coupon is still active to get you 10 percent off there back from our, our our holiday show there but um you know go anywhere any of these domain registrars get yourself a, a domain you you, ho you can host your own email there and host your you know your own website there to 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 do this and then you'll never have to worry about it again you'll always have control of that you can move it anywhere you like very very good but but the second now, go ahead you had something to add well, i'm just wondering what you're so you're saying register to yourself a domain yeah get your own but domain you're saying that it's it's portable among whoever you'd like to give it to that's right Okay, whereas in the case of .Mac, you're, you're stuck with them. You're right. You Apple... pay them, and they host you under their domain, but that's it. It's not that's portable right. anywhere else. That's right. Yes. Okay. Point. just wanted to clarify that, because personally, no, I point. haven't yeah. registered a lot of domains, and I know you, you know, oh, at yeah. least for MacObserver.com, of course, you do that. And all oh, the we, we associated. <laughs> so many ridiculous domains, yeah. I've just, I've always had my email and anything I, I host, I've always had it at a domain that I can control, right? We can't control .mac.com. That's Apple. Apple owns that mm -hmm. domain, right? So whatever they want to do with it, they can do. You know, for, for us, we host this podcast RSS file at macobserver.com. And that way, if we ever wind up changing hosts or, you know, anything, we, we own that domain unless we sell it to somebody or screw up and don't renew it. But that's not going to happen. And you know, this may be a good future show topic. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, as a, you know, I mean, I work at a, of course, at a company that owns many domains, but right. for personal use, I mean, .Mac works for me. And that's, sure, uh, where I host a lot of stuff. But for uh, I, maybe I just interested to talk about you know dynamic uh, DNS and stuff like that, for uh, which I think plays into the whole concept of uh, being able to host stuff where you want. Right. 
Well, you know, I here's the thing. I've moved uh, in the last, whatever, 10 years, I've moved from in, between three states, right, from Texas to Connecticut to New Hampshire here, mm-hmm. and I've never, and though I've changed internet providers every time, my email address has remained 100% consistent, right, because my email address is always at my domain. I, I never use the email address at my provider for exactly that reason, because, you know, when I was living down in Austin, at first, first, when I moved down there, I had to change my email address, right, to a new address down there. And then I changed providers down there. And so I had to change addresses again and again and again. And and it sucks. We've all been through it. So that's why I just decided, look, you know, it, it cost me. Well, I mean, now I've got, you know, the domains that the company owns. But, um, you know, it cost you, what, 10 bucks a year to, to host your domain somewhere. And you can even have it redirect your email to your whatever your provider du jour's address is. So that you're mm-hmm. use, you're taking advantage of of the free email that they give you with your account, but I don't know. I, yeah. You know, there you go. So, so I guess for Jeff, what he really needs to do is, how by whatever means possible, you got to get the new feed uh, RSS file. You got to somehow tell your subscribers. I, I have an idea. Else. Okay, so so I have an idea. So the first thing, so there's two problems. One is you got to tell your subscribers, and then the other is. You got to tell iTunes, mm-hmm. other right? people. Well, iTunes podcast, all the sites that yeah, they've all got to be updated. Read your feed and and you know republish it basically. Now with iTunes, you have two options because iTunes the feed is the unique identifier, right? So you could simply go and submit a new feed, and and it'll you know sub- create your new feed at whatever wherever you're going to host it, uh, and then you know submit it and iTunes will say okay great no problem but then there'll be two podcasts listed in iTunes with you know mm-hmm. one with the old feed and one with the new the other thing is you could shoot me an email and I can uh, I can put you in touch with the mm-hmm. folks at iTunes and they can change your feed for you they've they've asked me not to publicize their their contact information but but they've been no but I, I asked them and 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 you know Pete said just you know if if you don't mind being the gatekeeper, we're, we're happily happy to uh, to do it. So just if if you need help with that, any of you, shoot me an email and I will I will give you the address to uh, to talk to. I'm not going to be involved in all the conversations. They've just asked that I not publicize it. So uh, so that's that. So so that's what I would do is is first go into iTunes and change it there, right? And then publish one last show to the old feed and in the show, all just say look. Just a short little note to let you know everything has changed. You have two choices. One, you can manually go into iTunes or whatever feed reader, you know, whatever podcatcher you use and update this feed. The other is simply go to iTunes. They've got the new feed already. We've already worked it out. Just go there, resubscribe, boom, you're done. So there you go. Mm -hmm. So you got two choices. Should we talk to Hugo? You know, I got... Oh, go ahead. Our listeners have another choice. Do they? They can call us. (laughs) Oh, Geek. Four three three five. Hugo didn't call. He emailed MacGeekGab at MacObserver.com yeah, and said, Hi, John and Dave. Love the show. Recently moved from Windows to a Mac and love the change. I have a question. I just bought the MacBook Core 2 Duo and was looking to get the new Airport Extreme base station with the 802.11n. But I have a Linksys 802.11g router and I have a Windows work laptop, a TiVo box, and a printer, all with wireless G adapters. If I switch out the Linksys router for the airport base station, then I won't benefit from the full speed of 802.11n. Is there a way to combine these two routers so I can have my MacBook run off the airport base station and the other stuff run on the Linksys router and still share the same internet connection and still be able to use the printer? Thanks, Hugo. There is. You want to you, you walk through this one, John, or you want me to? Um... 
my thought was, can you plug the airport into the Linksys? Yeah, you can. And But what you'd want to do... Yeah, so that's exactly the that right my idea. My initial thought yep. was to create yep. a, how to create a separate network, though it can get tricky, and I think you're going to help us through that. Yeah, it, well, the, the trick is you don't want two routers acting like routers on the network, right? You, you mm-hmm. only need one router. You, all your computers are going to talk through whatever router you have to the cable modem and out. So you don't need another router layered in, and we talked about why last show, right, in number 91. Mm-hmm. So what you want to do is... But you do want to split it up so that your MacBook is talking 802.11n and your other your other devices are talking 802.11g. So pick whatever one you want to be the the actual router and just plug it into your your base station. Uh, sorry, plug it into your cable modem and you're good to go. The other one you're going to want to configure simply as a, 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 a just a, a pass through client essentially on the network. You don't want it to do DHCP. You don't bridge? want it. Yeah, a bridge. Thank you very much, okay. John. Oh, you crystallized my thoughts for me. Uh, yeah, you want to put it in bridge mode, and every even the airport routers can do this. You you essentially just turn off uh, DHCP. You turn off uh, internal routing, and it'll pass all those requests through the the base station itself or the router. You know, the the Linksys de- the device will go and get its own IP, which it needs because it's got to go and talk on the network. Uh, and then pass all that stuff through. And in fact, that's how I've got things running in my house right now. I have uh, my network is managed by a Linksys base station running the DDWRT uh, firmware. And then it, over at the house, connected via a very long Ethernet cable that goes underground, is an airport base station. So there you go. That's the uh, that's the trick. Cool. It works great. Yeah. Um. You know, I had a, a moment of uh, epiphany during the last show, John. I know this. We keep going up on off on tangents here. Yeah, is that you, a vocabulary word? It is for next week. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it, it, so anyway, while we were talking about base station sharing printers with Windows and all that last week, it hit me. I've been fighting. I have this printer connected to the iMac in the house. It's just an inkjet inkjet printer, and I've been fighting. USB. Yeah, just connected USB, right, okay. to the iMac in the house. And remember, we've been having a lot of trouble getting the kids' Windows machine to print to it, right? Remember when you were here, we fought remember, with it yeah, fought with it, right? couldn't get it to work. Couldn't get it to work. And, and we taunted you because right. you're the computer expert. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The kids thought that was great. The kids, the kids loved it. Well, well, in the middle of the show last week, it hit me. Right next to that iMac, is, on the same desk, is the airport base station I just mentioned that services the house. And while we were doing the show, I thought dummy why plug the printer into the iMac why not just plug the printer into the airport base station and let it share it so okay I did that problem number one solved now the iMac doesn't have to be awake for anybody in the house to print now to get Windows to print bonjour for Windows direct from Apple I installed it about four seconds after I installed it I was printing to the uh, to the printer connected to the base station of course bonjour for Windows would have solved the problem of printing to the printer even when it was connected to the Mac because it shared both via SMB and via um, Bonjour. Okay. Right? So, bonjour for Windows. Bonjour Could for you explain, Windows. Is that from Apple? It is, is from Apple. It is software from Apple. So this Apple. is optional software for Windows users so they can yep. talk yep. Bonjour. Yep. Which and it, is it rocks. a standard yep. zero configuration protocol. That's right. Apple just calls it Bonjour, but apparently if you install the network stack, which I guess... 
software does, then all of a sudden you can see all these wonderful devices. That's right. Using Bajor, which I actually I've noticed that I think you pointed that out, but a lot of printers and, and a lot of devices will publish laser and HF yep. printers, especially HPs and, and I'm sure a whole bunch of others. Like Smart. <clears throat> but I've seen them on our corporate network, just you know, going across the uh, you know printer. Uh, running the printer utility and you say, oh, Bonjour, let me see what's out there. And you get a big, huge list. It's like, hmm. Yep. So. so there you go. Bonjour for Windows. Speaking of SMB, we, mm. uh, we hit a, a, a little snag in the last show where we weren't sure exactly what the best path was for someone that wanted to share not just a home directory from their Mac, perhaps an external drive or, or, or something else. If you wanted to share an external drive, with Windows users, there was no easy way to configure this. And, of course, the reason is, or at least the reason that was speculated to us, was that, well, Apple wants you to buy their server product if you want to do that. And that's understandable. But in your house, you really don't want to be running Mac OS X server regardless of your uh, financial means. So mm. there is a way. And uh, Lewis actually sent in... Uh, a, a Mac OS X hints article about editing the smb.conf file... And uh, and Darius actually sent in an email that uh, that that talked he, a whole lot more about that. He it, taunted me. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, he says I should have figured this out, and I think the, the reason he said that is because I came oh so close, but not quite there. Yeah. So so the idea was John had had suggested using aliases. Aliases aren't going to work, but sim links are, and I believe in this right. case there's a difference, right? So if you go to the terminal. And use the LN command, so uh, Larry, Nancy. So that's link, I think, a general it, link it command, is. and then you do a dash S To make switch, it a sim link, is, right. And then that's the proper type of link that yep. SMB and others understand. So Yep. So so that'll work, and you can do, yeah, LN dash S, and then uh, the first parameter is slash volume slash whatever the external drive is. And the second parameter is whatever you want to call it. So, you know, firewire drive. So the bad news is that it's not something that's easy to do. No, but Scott. Other than through Apple Talk. Scott, James, and Mike all wrote in that uh, yes. the, the the veritable, sh the veritable, venerable. And you got close. You knew it yeah. was share something. Yeah. So you. Uh, share points. I didn't get yeah. points for that one. <laughs> you uh, missed the points. Yeah. Hornware.com slash. Hornware.com slash SharePoints is where that's all found. And, Donationware. Uh, yep. And, so, hey, if, if this helps, hey. And Tim here, in, Tim here in New Hampshire actually wrote in with a very similar uh, solution to, uh, to what Darius was, was talking about there. Tim actually mentioned that you need to make sure the permissions on the file that you create with, with the LN command, so your LN-S and then you know whatever that, that last parameter is, the permissions there need to be read-write-all um, other or read-write at least for whatever username you're going to log in as. Otherwise, you you won't necessarily have uh, have access there. I haven't confirmed that that's necessary, but Tim, it, it certainly doesn't hurt. So, mm -hmm. so there you go. I guess we move on. This is uh, this is tiring doing this without without audio comments, John. <laughs> I need to have I need to find little breaks to sip my blueberry tea. Blueberry. Mm-hmm. We're way out. I mean, all, the only tea we have in the house is all caffeinated stuff, which is great, but I, I don't drink a whole lot of caffeine these days. It's mm. like once every three or four months, I like to get all hopped up. But <laughs> I'm pretty hopped up as it is. 
All right. Um, we did have we did have yep. A couple of weeks ago, Bruno asked if there was a way that he could use his Mac, the headset that he had, wired headset that he had connected to his MacBook Pro, as a headset for his Bluetooth cell phone. And John and I sat here and said, well, yeah, it should be doable, but there's no obvious way to do it. And John, did somebody find it for us? Indeed, they did. Oh, a whole bunch of people here. <laughs> yeah, it's like the it's like it's like the so Mickey Mouse Club. Right? Uh, well, Adam and Chris and Morgan and Dave and Wadha. Wadha? I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> Blue Phone Elite Two. Yep. It allows you to so do exactly all, that. Yeah. So Mira Software is the company that makes it. Uh, I think it's a beta right now, but very beta. Yeah. So somebody just uh, you know uh, programmed a nice uh, Bluetooth program that just talks to all the right. Things in the order that make sense to some people. <laughs> yeah. We knew someone would do it. Yeah. He yeah. said, hey, I want to do this, so excellent. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, all right. We have a potential answer for our, uh, our lingering geek challenge. Dave Reed and others actually sent in uh, a piece of software called SuperSync, and, uh, and there's... What SuperSync will do is do exactly what we've we've been talking about is allow you to share your iTunes library and keep it in sync on multiple computers. So you could have one data store and and then sync the uh, the library back and forth. The reason we didn't mention it at first is all the comments that there was an article at uh, unofficial Apple Weblog or tuo.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the comments said, oh, this thing's terrible. It munged my library, this, that. But there were a few little gems that said, oh, works great. Love it. Can't wait. You know, yada, yada, yada. So uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. Use it at your own risk. But uh, if you do, let us know how it works. So It kicked my dog. <laughs> That's not really that funny, but it, it kind of is. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. <clears throat> I'm going to let the band in. i got to have somebody give me a break here. Give us a break. Where are we time-wise, anyway? God, why is my computer beeping at the wrong times? This thing. Yeah. I'll tell you what, man. I'm hoping Skype works next week. Although, i got to say, you know, our Gizmo uses so much less processing horse ma- horsepower than Skype. Of course, we're both using a version of Gizmo Project that's about, what, a year old? So, and, and we didn't dare upgrade for fear that we would cause exactly it, the it same worked. problem. So I'm on 132, you're on 10 something. So yeah. hats off to them that their software works between disparate versions, whereas Skype, something happened. I don't know, man. Yeah, we were using the same version. Could be the Intel. No, I think, I don't, I don't think it's the, the software. I, we've seen this before with Skype where sometimes you'll get it's a connection. Inter- it's, it's the, the inter- inner tubes. It's the inner tubes. That's right. <laughs> The internet the for Skype is down. That's right. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. What else? What comment. You, you got a comment. Hey, you got a comment. Yeah, next week is going to be all audio comments. John and I aren't even going to talk. So there you go. No, but we do have that how to clean up your Mac show coming up. And uh, I'm actually if really. Your Mac's a mess. I'm really looking forward to that one. I think we're going to have a lot of fun with that. So. Uh, We'll, uh, we'll get through that. But next week, I think, will be more Q&A. We have a lot of stuff in the in the pipeline here. If we didn't have as much in the pipeline as we did, John and I might have. Lesser men would have given up tonight with all the uh-huh. technical issues. But uh, 
we have the strength of 10 men. Thank goodness you're not in the room with us to experience it. <laughs> That's what my dad always used to say. It's like, yeah, we don't yeah. like to talk about your body odor, Dave. So. Oh. Yeah, there you go. That's oversharing. <sighs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cashfly Hosting is where you've downloaded this show in the podcast marketplace this month. The 6i Isolator Earphone from Etymotic. A5 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, TeachMac from TeachMac.com, and Yojimbo from Barebones Software. The Backbeat Media Podcast Network is, of course, the place you go to contract for those ads. Um, and I think there's, I don't know, I think the month of March is actually sold out. But, uh, huh. but, but no, that's good. It, it means that everything's awesome. working. Yeah. Support the sponsors. Uh, you know, th- these people do keep things going here. This is not uh, free to produce. John forces me to pay him. Now, uh, <laughs> no, we, we have we have expenses and and uh, and we really appreciate you supporting the sponsors and telling them where you heard about the show. Um, and even if they're not a sponsor, if you hear about the, the product from uh, the show and, and go and buy it, just let them let them know. It's always good. Help spread the word. You doing that allows us to keep doing what we're doing here. So. Uh, so there you go. All right. I've waxed poetic yeah. enough. Let's get out of here. Wow. Yeah, I know. I'm in rare form. Is there anything else to talk about? MacGeekGab at MacObserver.com. Skype to MacGeekGab. 206-666-GEEK. 4335-4335. Thank you, John. I'm going to tell you, don't get caught. Made up. That actually sounds really cool on headphones.